Welcome to the Strength and Dignity podcast, where we discuss Christian lifestyle, scripture, biblical concepts, and hear testimonies from various guests. I'm your host, Kelsey Pryor, and I hope you find encouragement, solid teaching, and thought-provoking concepts here. Welcome to our series on the Sabbath, where, through the course of various episodes, we will be discussing the Sabbath throughout the Bible, Sabbath throughout history, what the Sabbath means to Christians today, as well as stories from people who keep the Sabbath. If you enjoy this content, please be sure to share with your friends. All right, let's dive into the episode. Hi guys, welcome back to the Strength and Dignity podcast. Today I'm here with my father, Jeremy. Hey guys. Um, I'm super excited. (laughs) We're going to um, talk about Shabbat. So this is our first episode in a series about the Sabbath. And we have a lot to talk about with this particular topic. Um, We've been doing Shabbat for... I don't, do you know how many years? Man, yeah, I remember, a long time. I remember I was in first grade maybe. So a long time. Um, most of my life, all that I can remember every um, weekend, it used to be Saturday night to Sunday and then we've switched it to Friday night to Saturday. Um, we do Shabbat. So we just wanted to talk about throughout this series, um, Shabbat throughout the Bible from creation all the way through the New Testament. Um, what God has to say about it, what it is, the and then the modern history of it. Why don't Christians talk about Shabbat as much? Why is it considered a Jewish thing? Why does our family do it? And then I'm going to have a couple examples of um, a family or two that um, keep Shabbat and do like just interview them and see how they do it in their family's history with it. So our first episode is going to be talking about um, the history of Shabbat throughout the Bible. Um, so dad, I want you to talk a little bit about kind of when you first started hearing about the topic of Shabbat, what you thought about it. By the way, Shabbat is Sabbath in Hebrew. I'm going to probably say Shabbat more often than Sabbath, but um, yeah, just how did you start hearing about Sabbath and learning about that? Yeah. Well, when we, so when I met your mom in (laughs) Jerusalem, I was 23 years old and it was the first time I had ever been immersed in a culture that was a Sabbath keeping culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And we lived at a Christian university um, and at that university, we didn't keep Sabbath. So it was just everything happening around us. We had to, because it was kept so well uh, in the city of Jerusalem, it affected us a lot. But as being Christians, we, we had mostly our worship was happening on Sunday and we kind of ignored the fact that it was Sabbath other than just, it was very inconvenient. Mm. Um, but we saw it happening around us. It was kind of everything interesting. Down. Yeah, it's crazy in Jerusalem, especially. Um, you know, 95% of the restaurants are shut down, coffee shops. You can walk down um, the middle of the busiest uh, sort of shopping street in Jerusalem and mm-hmm. there's just nothing open. Yeah. Um, so that was really, took some getting used to, especially the fact that it was happening on a Saturday and mm-hmm. not on a Sunday. Um, but for me then, but I always saw that as something like, oh, that was kind of an interesting cultural, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. Um, then when I got back from Jerusalem, uh, I was listening to a sermon by a Presbyterian pastor, a guy named Earl Palmer, um, a Seattle uh, pastor back in the day. And he was preaching through the Ten Commandments. And he got to the Fourth Commandment, which is you know says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And he began to talk about uh, when he was a missionary in the Philippines, he was preaching through the Ten Commandments at that time. And he was wrestling with this command hmm. and is like, how as a Christian should I think about this? Mm-hmm. And he decided, and he really started, started started to see the entire command through the lens 
of uh, a story about Jesus in the Gospels. I think it's told in different Gospels, but I think in in Mark, I think maybe Mark Mm 2, where Jesus is walking through some grain fields with his disciples and they start to just eat the heads of grain and um, the Pharisees confront Jesus and say, Mm -hmm. like, stop your disciples from harvesting on the Sabbath. Uh, This is wrong. And Jesus turns to them and says, the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. And he sort of then pulls back and says, okay, so Jesus is saying that God created the Sabbath for us. Um, This is Jesus. This isn't, you know, just from the Jewish law. And so it's something that God somehow knows we need. Mm -hmm. And so from that time forward, this particular pastor began to um, be a Sabbath, begin to really invest in Sabbath keeping. Hmm. And uh, and having had that theology really coming out of the New Testament, particularly the Gospels, really impacted me. Hmm. Because the first time I really started thinking about, oh, maybe this isn't just a Jewish thing. Um, and so that got me thinking. I probably spent a good year thinking um, before we actually did anything about it. Hmm. But uh, that's kind of where in the Bible and kind of my own theology in mind, it started to really, something started to click for me. Hmm. That's so cool. That's always been one of my favorite passages about Shabbat because then Jesus follows that up with, so the Son of Man is Lord even yeah. over the Sabbath. Um, and so, okay, so in the Bible, we can talk about the Ten Commandments also, but let's go back a little bit further. When does Shabbat start? Like when's the when Sabbath first, well, I guess the idea of a day of rest is first introduced, right. is creation. So it's the seventh day. And then the actual word Shabbat is mentioned later on. So talk a little right. bit about how God views the Sabbath, e- even in a garden, in a perfect world, he wanted the Sabbath. Right. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So you have really um, these different points in the Bible where God is unveiling sort of a pure description of his design. Genesis mm-hmm. 1 and 2, right when the Israelites go into the promised land, you know, right when Jesus sends out the disciples and the new church kind of emerges and then in um, the culmination in the uh, the new city of Jerusalem. Hmm. So those are very important passages for me to understand how we're supposed to live. Like if if you know if sin wasn't dominating the world, how did God design things? Hmm. And so yeah, in the created order, He designs um, rest into the the seven day work week and or the seven day week. And that's that's a really it, one of the things that's amazing is that the primary lens through which we, we see Genesis one, it's a poem about creation that we learn in Exodus 20, the poem was written specifically to show us how to order our lives. Hmm. Um, that's what, in the fourth commandment, uh, one of the things that God tells Moses is, I did this, I created the world this way as a model for you hmm. to follow. Six days you should work and one day you should rest. Um, and so that's that's powerful. And the fact that it's in creation, it's woven into creation, and it's expressed in Jewish law, mm-hmm. but it's woven into creation. Yeah. And so I think that Christians have to be careful that there's a line there somewhere between we embrace things that are woven into creation and we kind of ignore those things. Um, if we do, it can tend to, to wear us out or we can we can be kind of going against the design or against the grain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's true for all people. Um it's not just true for for Jews or it's not just a Jewish thing, mm-hmm. but it was this thing that was woven into creation for everyone has an, an expression, specific expression within Jewish law. Mm-hmm. And so that's the distinction yeah. that I would make between what's going on in, in Genesis mm-hmm. and what happens then later in Exodus 20. Yeah. So then, so 
it's a part of God's perfect order and creation. And then fast forward when it is expressed in Jewish law is would be in the exile to Egypt, right? right. So um, God commands the Israelites to keep a Sabbath day and then it's in the um, fourth commandment. Um, and it's a remembrance, correct? Right. So explain a little bit about after it's introduced into Jewish law, what's the purpose yeah. of Shabbat? So it's, it's interesting how it's introduced. Um, so you have in Exodus 16, the first time the word Shabbat is used in the Hebrew hmm. scriptures. And so you, know, you can imagine what God's doing. So he's taking all these slaves out of Egypt and, and it's the backdrop behind this is that they were, they were slaves. They worked seven days a week. There mm-hmm. was no break at all. In fact, the Pharaoh was trying to squeeze even more labor out of them, not giving them straw, not wanting them to worship the Lord. And so th- this was a, a sort of a slave culture. Mm-hmm. And so the first way that God was beginning to try to pull this out of them, at least through their rhythms, was that he began to give them manna and then and introduce the the idea of, of, of this rhythm. And he says to them in Exodus 16, um, that I'm going to give you manna for six days and I'm not going to give it to you on the seventh day. I want, I'm going to give you twice as much on the sixth day mm-hmm. so that you can rest on the seventh day. And then predictably, the, these these slaves are used to just living in survival mode all the time, working seven days a week. And so as soon as God does that, then uh, then people start going out of their tents and you know looking for manna mm-hmm. on the seventh day. And um, that's where God just sort of like has this almost really fatherly moment where he just says to them, I'm trying to give you a gift. Hmm. I'm trying to let you rest, you know? And so he's like discipling them through providing for them in the wilderness. And one of the key ways he's discipling them is through uh, not giving them uh, anything on the seventh day so Hmm. they could stay in their tents and just enjoy a day of rest, Uh, uh, an idea that that they were just completely unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first thing is that it, is that it's really packaged in even within Jewish law as a gift that God is giving to a, a culture of slaves who are used to working seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, now later in Exodus twenty, uh, it's told to us as a part of the Ten Commandments, which is the covenantal law that God is making between Himself and Abraham's family, and mm-hmm. says. Part of the one of the signs of of the fact that you're in my family or that I, you're chosen is that you keep the Sabbath mm-hmm. and uh, that that you take what I have laid out as a template for how to live a week in Genesis one and you bring that into your life in a very intentional um, and very disciplined way mm-hmm. and so that's that's kind of where where it got kicked off there in in the uh, in the Torah of the Old Testament. Doesn't it also say either in the Ten Commandments are somewhere else that's remembering that the Lord your God brought you out mm-hmm. of Egypt. Yes. So that was like part of the purpose. He, I mean, you can just tell by reading throughout Exodus and the rest of the uh, Torah, the first five books of the Bible, how forgetful Israel is. Yeah. And even just through like all the kings and everything, like, and then they forgot the Lord their God, and then they forgot, and then this king was treacherous, and this king did what was deceitful in the eyes of the Lord. And so he knew you need something that is going to constantly remind you that I'm the one that provides for you. Right. And so even now, when we're not coming out of a slave culture, we still need that remembrance, we still need something in our seven day rhythm that is intentionally built in to help us remember that it's the Lord who provides for us. So one of those reflections is like, I'm going to take my hands off of this day and trust that you're gonna provide for me um, is one of the ways that you rest. And even though it can be scary, even if you have a job that like has weird hours or if um, 
it's not the same time every week. Like, I mean, we talk a lot about that through some other content that um, Family Teams does, which is what uh, my dad does over at FamilyTeams.com. Um, we have a lot of content about Shabbat over there, and one of them is just lots of people have like weird work rhythms, right? Um, and so there's a lot of content about what to do when you have a weird work rhythm. But I think the key thing to harp on is that it's a, it's the purpose of it is not only rest but also remembrance. Right. Yeah, the purpose is so that it, it's it makes you holy. It's mm. it's really the gospel in in a in st- instantiated in your weekly rhythm. Mm. And so that that's really the way I think Christians like you said we're not coming out of a slave culture. But one of the things he says in Deuteronomy 5 when he restates the 10 commandments and he gets to the fourth commandment, it's you know, each commandment's very similar to Exodus 20 the first time except for the fourth commandment. He that's when he adds Remember that you were slaves, mm. and um, and this is forty years later when they kind of had come out of that culture. Yeah, and you have a new generation who's like, we're, we've never been slaves. We've mm. we've just been. God, he's like, but you got to remember oh, that point, that yeah. this is this is who this is where you came from, and that we learn later in the New Testament that everything that happened in the wilderness happened as a as a example to us of the gospel. Hmm. Um, every element, and you know, that's one of the funnest studies, I think, in, in the Torah, is to see every single element uh, through the lens of the gospel. But the the whole, every person listening to this, we were born into slavery to sin. And it is God who makes us holy. One of the things that it says, I think, in Ezekiel, is when they stopped keeping the Sabbath, is he said, I'm giving this to you so you will remember that I'm the one who makes you holy. Hmm. And, and so it's crazy to think about how does resting make me holy Hmm. and it's it's literally true it's the thing that actually converts somebody from a a a, someone who's not saved to somebody who is saved and how does that work well the 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 whole idea is that that what saves somebody from sin is their decision to rest in the work that god has done for them in the cross like that's that's how in the deeper you go into your faith in what Jesus has done for you, the more it transforms your heart mm. and your life. And so, but that's really hard for us to do. Like, how, yeah. when, when do you do that? Like, when yeah. do you just sit and receive the goodness of what Jesus did for you on the cross? Mm-hmm. Um, we, li- we live busy lives. And so for most of us, that we just never have a chance where we're just kind of pausing and receiving the blessing of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so keeping a Sabbath um, is, you know, is, is a sign to your own heart. Um, and this is why I don't think it's something that Christians should take as a law. Hmm. I think that this is something that Christians should take as a spiritual discipline. This is an optional spiritual discipline. Hmm. If you want to experience the gospel going deeper and deeper and deeper into your heart, you have to find some way to rhythmically receive what's, what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Hmm. Just so that your own soul says, um, I'm not saved by my works. It's not like what I'm trying to do. It's what he already did. Yeah. And so the Sabbath is the sign to us of the fact that we're saved by resting. One of the things it says in Isaiah is through repentance and rest is your salvation. Huh. And so that's how we're saved. And as strange as that is, um, it takes a lot of sort of focus of re- in receiving to convince your soul that you're saved by resting and not mm. by working. Wow, that's crazy. It's so countercultural, especially for Americans. Yeah. Um, probably lots of other cultures too, but here in America, work is definitely yeah. top top priority. So that can be super hard to 
to swallow. One of the things um, that was drilled into my head very early on when we were keeping Shabbat is um, you got you had this chest that had the candle and our tablecloth and everything. It was like the Shabbat chest. We still have it. But um, back when we were younger, the ritual was super, super simple. And all you do is get out the box and you would say, what does this box represent? And all the kids would say, locked away in slavery. Slavery to what? Sin. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So we were like, that's really what we would learn very early on about Shabbat is that we might not have been slaves like in the literal physical sense, but we were slaves to sin. And it was Jesus' work on the cross when he said it is finished. He completed all that work for us. And so now that's why we get to rest, right. why it is a gift that we still get to take part in. So that's kind of the journey throughout the Old Testament. Um, what about in the New Testament, like post Jesus um, in the Bible? We're going to talk a little bit in a different episode about why um, Shabbat is, first of all, seen as a primarily Jewish um, practice and why the church doesn't talk about it as much um, in a different episode. But like staying within the confines of like the Bible, like Acts and all the epistles, yeah. um, is it talked about throughout there at all? Mm-hmm. And if so, how, how does how is it spoken about? Yeah. So you have um, this has been a confusing topic because Jesus used the subject of the Sabbath in the Gospels as one of the ways um, of trying to convince his audience, which was a Sabbath-obsessed culture, hmm. um, that that it isn't through the man-made rules around the Sabbath that you're saved. That, that was a, a huge problem in the first century Jewish culture. Hmm. There was the idea that, because you had essentially in the first century Jewish culture, you, you, they had the, the sort of legislation you have in the Torah, you know, like in Exodus 20, keep the Sabbath, you know, don't work, don't light a fire, don't you know, collect wood, things like that. But the uh, the Pharisees of Jesus's day added um, a thousand additional rules wow. um, onto the the basic rules about the Sabbath, and they called it hedge laws, which are the kind of like built a hedge around the law, just in the same way that they built a hedge around the law. Do not take the the name of the Lord your God in vain. So they just don't use the word. You know mm-hmm. Yahweh. Ever yeah. they use Hashem, which is just the name mm-hmm. um, in Hebrew. In the same way, they, that's their hedge law around the around that commandment. They built a hedge law around the Sabbath more than any other any other commandment. And Jesus was deeply offended by this practice of mm. building hedge laws because it elevated um, sort of religious rules above the essence mm. of what the command was for. That's why he said, "The Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath." Like I am. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the one who's going to bring rest, like we talked about. It's mm-hmm. his death on the cross that brings rest. It's not all of your, you know, perfectly keeping a bunch of rules. Um, and so this continues in the book of Acts and in the epistles where there was this massive kind of controversy going on in the first church around the Sabbath. And so Paul was the one primarily responsible for discipling the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. So he told the Gentiles, in the most overt time he tells us this is in Colossians 2, where he tells the Gentiles, don't let anyone judge you um, by any day you keep, or a Sabbath, or a new moon, or a festival. Mm. Um, These are all shadows of Christ. Now the church, and you'll talk about this with mom, but the church has taken that to uh, an extreme that I don't think Paul ever intended. But um, because of that, what, what has happened is that a lot of people believe we have not 10 commandments, but like nine commandments and, you know, one outdated suggestion, you wow. know? So, yeah. um, and, and that's unfortunate mm-hmm. because both Paul and Jesus were combating a very particular problem going on, mm-hmm. which was the idea that you're saved by works. Uh, they both were combating it primarily around the Sabbath. Paul 
equally around the idea of circumcision. Um, but that mm-hmm. has clouded um, our understanding of what is the Sabbath for? The Sabbath is designed to be this this gospel saturated opportunity. And again, I don't think it is 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 a rule that Christians should foist on each other. Paul says there's a no judgment zone around the Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. No, no one should judge you according to how you keep a Sabbath or whether you keep a Sabbath. It's a gift to you. Um, and that's why in the same way that there are different people with, they have different Bible reading schedules, people have different prayer rhythms, yeah. people have different rest rhythms. Um, it doesn't have to be the same day. Doesn't, but the idea that we would say, well, no rest for me mm-hmm. and no rest that is focused on the gospel, you're sort of um, taking off the table a discipline that is likely to transform your heart wow. in a way that probably no other discipline could could do as well. Hmm. Um, and that's that's the reason, it's the opportunity of Sabbath keeping that I think Christians should consider yeah. as opposed to an, an attempt to religiously follow some rules mm-hmm. that I don't think really are in effect. That's not how we're, that's not how we're saved. Um, but because we do live in a, in a, in a world designed around a seven day rhythm from Genesis one on, um, it's just an opportunity that I just, I think we need to explore again. And in a extremely exhausted culture yeah. that's distracted and constantly bombarded um, endlessly with distractions, yeah. uh, we need this tool more than ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you ever go to Jerusalem specifically, it's all throughout Israel, but Jerusalem is a very religious city. So if you ever go there on um, a Friday and a Saturday, the cultural transformation around Shabbat is just mind blowing. Like it's completely different. Um, there's probably videos out there. I've taken a lot of videos just because of how shocking it is, but we used to live um, in an apartment right next to the biggest market in the middle of the city. And um, Um, That market was always busy and was always bustling, but on Friday, it was just at its max. Like you had to elbow your way through and there's like all these little old ladies like trying to shove their way through the crowds to prepare for Shabbat. There's another verse that says that um, you must strive to enter his rest or something like that. Yeah. We talk about that too, how like it takes work to enter into rest, like preparation. Um, And then like four o'clock on Friday, it is all just like, it's like a ghost town, like nothing is there and all throughout Saturday. So it's, it's really shocking. So even though they're doing it still out of that same religious spirit that Paul and Jesus were trying to combat, it kind of gives you a bit of a deeper glimpse into um, like the degree to which um, like if, if Shabbat was such a big deal in our culture and if, um, like all Christians or all believers in Jesus kept Shabbat, like the dr- drastic contrast it would make to our everyday life, like the, yeah. the six days mm-hmm. versus the one day. So that's one of the things that I really enjoy about, um, observing that there. So, um, yeah, so we talked about the Bible and Shabbat throughout the Bible. This is such a dense topic. We're not going to get to all of it, but um, there's a few other resources that if you guys want to check them out, I have found them super helpful. So one of them would be the Bible Project series on sevens. That's yeah. particularly on just sevens throughout the Bible, but the first couple episodes are specifically about Shabbat. Um, and then we talk about it a lot over at Family Teams, which is our family's ministry. Um, we have some podcasts about it, but you're also coming out with a book at some point, right? Mm-hmm. So so talk a little bit about what's going to be, just a sneak peek, what's going to be in the book. <laughs> we don't know what when it's going to come out yes. yet, but you're still writing it. Yeah, there's there's so many wonderful books on the Sabbath, <clears throat> that, and basically I've made it my goal to read all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the Sabbath, I, I read I read every Sabbath um, from from books about the Sabbath, mm-hmm. and so what I've tried what I'm trying to do is is basically design a book um, that <clears throat> that is like 52 
uh, reflections on the Sabbath so that so that, that what I'm doing is just every Sabbath just trying to enter into um, one of those themes because there's so many. They're yeah. so rich. And I don't think a lot of people have ever heard many of these themes. Mm-hmm. We've touched on just like three or four of them, but there's, right. there's like I said, at least 50, probably more. Um, and so what I'm doing is I'm creating... Um, my, our favorite rhythm for our family around the Sabbath is is we kick it off with Friday night uh, Shabbat dinner, which yeah. is like our epic sort of family family meal. And I begin by uh, going through one of these reflections, like Kelsey was describing. We had just this one on slavery, coming out of slavery, mm-hmm. um, that we used for years and years mm-hmm. uh, when she was really young. And <clears throat> we've got so many more now. And so that's going to be basic what the book is. Is just yeah. you can just open up. And you're about to go into the Sabbath. Maybe you set a table for your friends or your family, mm-hmm. and you have to. You can go out to dinner. You can cook a really cool meal, and then um, the question is, how do you uh, at that table help people enter into the Sabbath? Yeah. So we've learned a lot about the process. About like, mm-hmm. what kind of questions do you ask? Um, what kind of reflections really cause people to go, "Whoa, what we're experiencing is." Yeah. And because so many of our religious practices, quote unquote, our faith practices are in churches. Mm -hmm. We're not used to bringing that around a table. Yeah. So basically it's a table book. Mm. It's like a book that's going to help you as you're leading a table into the Sabbath. How do you do that? Yeah. Just like color by number, step by step, like (laughs) make it really simple. That's so cool. So (laughs) what are, besides the one that you're writing, (laughs) um, what are maybe your your top couple favorite books on Sabbath? Yeah, so there's um, probably the most famous book right now on the Sabbath is um, by Abraham Joshua Heschel, mm-hmm. which is um, just called The Sabbath. And he's a uh, he's an amazing uh, Jewish leader um, uh, of the 20th century of the American Jewish community. Um, he actually died on a Sabbath in his sleep. And, oh and my God. His daughter writes the foreword. It's, it's like gives me chills every time I read it um, to the book. But he just gives so it's a tiny little book that just is like reflections on the Sabbath. It's probably wow. the most famous book in, in English right now on the Sabbath. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of them that have come out in the last few years. Um, AJ Swoboda has got a great book. It's it's got tons in there, but I can't remember what exactly what it's called. But his his book on the Sabbath, I loved reading that. Marva uh, Don has a great book. Uh, there's one called Twenty Four Six, which is fun because um, oh, that is fun. It's very well written. Um, Mark Buchanan has a book on the Sabbath that I'm I'm loving. Um, there's one called uh, um, uh, Walter Brueggemann has a book called uh, The Sabbath as Resistance, which is another very small book um, about about this sort of um, Pharaoh Egyptian economy. Hmm. Um, it kind of uses that as the metaphor for how in the, the modern world we're we're we have these taskmasters and we need to keep Sabbath as an act of resistance against a always on culture. Hmm. Um, powerful book. Um, really, really has been read by so many thought leaders um, and has affected them. And so there's so many. There's um, John Mark uh, Comer's book, Garden City, has a chapter on the Sabbath that is outstanding. Hmm. Um, and, you know, Jeff, uh, our friend Jefferson Bethke, his book, To Hell with the Hustle, um, yeah. has got an awesome chapter on the Sabbath. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's so much now being written about it. So many people experimenting with it. Yeah. Um, and it seems like it's it. kind of coming back to some extent. Like I'm, I'm hearing more about yes. it or people are more curious about it. Yeah. One of the reasons I want to talk about it, because I feel like people are a little bit more curious when they hear the Christian world talk about Sabbath. Yes. Um, even when we're in Israel, Jews kind of get shocked. Like, why are you, you're Gentiles, you're not Jewish. Why right. are you keeping Sabbath? So it's a interesting topic. Um, so if you have any questions about like, 
Um, when do you do Shabbat? What do you even do? Like, how do you rest? Like, um, anything like that. We're probably going to address it in later episodes. I just wanted this to kind of be an overarching like intro and how it's spoken about in the Bible and God's original design and why Christians might still keep Shabbat to this day. Um, so keep a lookout for the future episodes about that. Thank you so much, Dad. Awesome. My pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Strength and Dignity. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave us a rating and review. That would help us out a lot with the algorithm so we can reach more people looking for encouragement in their faith journey. Hope you tune in next time.